this this room in here sounds about exactly like it did at my house the first time that I listened to that song by her. If you want to see what kind of blessings God divvies out sometimes, um, that's Jackie Ivanko. I think I'm saying that her last name right. Um, but that was five years ago. She was 12. If you look at that prayer and how Jesus taught his disciples and taught us through that prayer how to pray, that is the most famous prayer probably of, in the history of the world. And if you've been in Connect Group with us the last couple of months, some of you are looking at it and go, we've already studied this. It's okay. We're going to review a little bit. We're going to take a different look. We're actually not going to look at that prayer. We're going to look at a prayer in the Old Testament this morning. But I watched that. I can send you the link if you want the link to that. You can find it really easy. Lord's Prayer, Jackie Van Co. Uh, it's I don't know, five, five minutes or just under five minutes long. You can find that. Um, there is straight up power in that little person. <laughs> and I mean almost ballistically with her voice. But the words that she's saying, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Do you know why she says that? Because it's true. When you start dealing with the Word of God and you understand His ultimateness, and you understand the greatness, then when we speak on this prayer subject... You and I, literally through the power of prayer, get to communicate with this person. If, I don't care what you've seen in this world. If you've taken a, the mule trip to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, if you've rode the Colorado River, if you've been to New Zealand, uh, if you've been to the Arctic Circle, if you've climbed Everest, just maybe, maybe somebody in here has climbed Everest. <laughs> if, if you've climbed, I don't care. The greatest thing that you've seen on this earth was created by God. Watch this. You ready? And his construction crew? No, he just said it. He just said it. I saw a thing on Facebook today, or not today, this week. Why wish upon a star when you can worship the one that created it? See, God is all power. You cannot get... And I looked at this video. I probably... I, man, I watched... I watched... Uh, David Phelps from the Gaithers sing this song, and it's, he doesn't sing anything bad, okay? And, I, and he has this huge, huge, high tenor voice, power, power, power. And then I saw this video, and I'm like, I haven't seen that much projection out of something so small. But the power, it's not the power of ourself. It's not the power of our family. It's not the power of our stuff. But God hit me and he got my attention so quickly this week. I said, God, I pray. He goes, but you don't pray specifically. I go, what? I do. He goes, you don't pray intentionally all the time. You don't pray. And he really got on my case. And he should. You know why? Because he gave his son for me and I'm should live for him. So yeah, it's a pretty strict regiment. But when God starts talking to me and talking to you about that we should pray, I heard a pastor one time, he says, the power of prayer has lost its power because people don't use it. Yikes. People just don't pray. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a little project. This is not homework. Chill out. 
I know that we have tomorrow off if you go to school, so this is not homework. Okay? Long weekend, no homework for Mr. Griswold's class. If you open it up, oh, partially because I teach PE. But anyway, so if you open it all the way up uh, to the middle, oh, look at this. I'm going to read this middle section with you. I want you to go along with this. Uh, first of all, there's no connect groups this week. Tomorrow's Labor Day. This is what we say at Connection. Are you ready? Go be with your family. Go take a trip. Go, go to Rin Lake. Go to your living room and don't move. Hey, that's, that's pretty awesome. If you have tomorrow off and you have some time this week, spend it with your family. I saw some cool pictures from yesterday. Uh, people are doing all kinds of cool stuff and trying to get that last bit of stuff in for summer. No connect groups this week. They start next Sunday again, okay? But look at this. September 4th and next Sunday the 11th, Connection will be focusing on prayer. We'll be looking at how Jesus taught us how to pray. That's today. And what prayer means. That's next week. Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians. We see this all the time, but look at the verse before and after this. In verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, Rejoice always. Go ahead and do, just try to do that one. Just, just those two words. Rejoicing always is not an easy subject or topic. Well, yeah, I'm pretty happy all the time. Okay. I want you to rejoice always. I'm, okay, I'm going to say two words. At work. Oh. Oh. Huh. I thought you were going to say at home. I could rejoice at home. I could always rejoice at home. At the pond. At the lake. In the deer stand. Okay? What a, you know, I can, re- I can rejoice when it's up to me, but Paul right here, he says, rejoice always, and then look at 17. This is the first five words in 16 and 17. <sighs> rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And the problem is, Christians are not challenged. Followers of Jesus are not challenged. We go through this life and we say, God, you know everything. Um, you can just handle everything. I'm just going to coast through. I got, to, I got stuff to enjoy. God says, no, that's not the way I designed you. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't design you that way. He designed, we can look back at Genesis before chapter 3, before sin comes in. And God talks to Adam and he creates a relationship even before he creates Eve. And he creates a relationship with Adam so that when he creates the woman, Adam understands the relationship with God that she is to have with him. See, it's, it's a relation, it's a building. How in the world, if you look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and check out that God literally, literally walked with them in the garden. What kind of relationship did they have? See, sin separated that relationship with, the, with them and us forever. But, he says, rejoice always, because Jesus did what he did. This is Paul. This is Paul screaming at people. This is the same dude that put a whole bunch of followers of Jesus to death. And he got his life completely changed by the miraculous, all-abundant God of the universe. He literally spoke things into existence. Yeah, poof. Grand Canyon, cool. Poof. Tree. He says, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Then it says, things I can pray about this week. While I'm going through this sermon, I want you to go in between that page and the the note page, and I want you to write down things that you are specifically, now you're not talking to me about this. You You are talking with God through the Holy Spirit right now to say, what are some things that I can pray about this week? Maybe you have a lost son or daughter. Maybe they do not know about Jesus Christ. Maybe you have a lost friend. Everybody could probably do that. Maybe you have trouble at work. Maybe you have, you have anxiety. Maybe there's a meeting coming up that you don't want to happen. Maybe there's all kinds of these things. Maybe the air has went out on your truck. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe you're having trouble with, with friends and relationships. God says, I don't care what it is. I just want you to talk to me about it. So we're, we're really good at something bad happened. We just pick up our phone. 
My life is awful. Everybody picks on me. Post. Copy, paste on every single social media site that I possibly have in this universe so that everybody sees how bad my life is. So we do this. We do this. We seek. We seek that acceptance. And God says, quit talking with other people and talk to me. This is very sharp. God has very specific instructions for prayer. He says this. Don't pray to anything else. Pray to me. That's it. (laughs) Those are the rules. We have one job, right? (laughs) When we pray, we have one job. Communicate with God. I don't care if you watch TV shows and you watch, uh, for instance, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and you have all these lifelines and you can phone a friend and you can ask the audience and blah, 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 blah. In God's world and prayer, it works completely the opposite. He says, I don't care what your friends want to give you advice unless it's godly. Uh, You can phone a friend all you want, but they're not going to have the advice that I have. Why don't you just use me? Because I am smarter than a fifth grader. I'm smarter than all these people. I give you the I created you. I mean, if you think about this, God literally understands our complete instruction manual. I remember I give advice to young younger guys all the time, younger girls all the time. They come to me and they say, they're talking about dating. Ooh, whatever. And they said, "Well, how did you? You know, did you did you did you date Mary? Yeah, we dated. Yeah." So what what teenage guys talk like that. What what you what you do? And I talk with the I talk with these kids and 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 they they ask me for this advice and they say they say what do you what do you think I should do about this relationship? What do you think I should do about this relationship? Of course, the guy comes up to me and goes, I can't understand anything she says. If she says yes, she means no. If she says no, she means yes. And, and then she tells me that I'm just really too blunt and all that. Listen, this is a guy just trying to get through this whole realm of things. And you want know to tell him? You seek God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you shouldn't settle for anything less than who God gives you. That's going to solve a whole lot of problems. You mean I physically need to talk to God about this? Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about your marital future here. Yes. It's the power, the Lord's Prayer, that that child just wailed on is the most famous prayer in all of history. It's the prayer that we studied about in Connect Group. Jesus gives His disciples. Some of you may have grown up saying it. Some of you may have grown up before... I, I, we, we started a little bit late. But before that, she said, I'd never heard this song before, but I knew the words because I said it before bed. Some of you may, you may have said that prayer before you went to bed. But this morning, we're going to rewind. We're going to go back from Jesus talking to the disciples, and we're going to go all the way back. I love this book because it's really easy to find. Whenever I was a kid, and we, te- we can teach our kids, you can find Psalms. You go to the middle and you just open it. Right? Remember that trick? We're going to be in Psalms chapter 86. Are there prayers in Psalms? Psalms 86 is called, in, in, the, in the title, it's called the Prayer of David. Now, let's meet David real quick. I know that you know him. I know that you know him, but look at this. David, as a young boy, killed very vicious animals with a sling. Many of you may have remembered the sermon that I preached on David and Goliath, and we talked about the, the different cool technologies that they found out about that now. But when he was a young boy, he literally killed a probably in the area of nine foot six, 450 pound person 
with a rock that, if you remember that sermon, was ballistically equivalent to a forty-five caliber handgun. And we talked about David all growing up that he was an underdog. But we realized that day that with God, no one will ever be an underdog. Ever. Never. Ever, ever. David was called this. You want to, you want to have a really nice thing said about you? David was a man after God's own heart. We talk about communication here. You don't, that's, you don't just get that on your resume. You have to seek. But David... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is why people can associate themselves with David so often. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. I'm not saying that you all did that. I'm just saying that he messed up. A person of such high standing with God has messed up. He messes up all the time. There's ups, there's downs in his life. This This is why it's so easy to relate with him. You and I went through a roller coaster probably this week. Some of you may be sitting there shaking your head going, this morning? <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. Now, something that God talked to me about this week was, He says, when you have those roller coaster days, how many times have you talked to me? That's where it gets really sharp. <laughs> oh my God, I'm having problems. <laughs> like God doesn't know this. Yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I've prayed like this before. God... Can you not see? What is God, blind? Yes, He can see. Yes, He understands. And He's up, up there. He's just going, I really wish you'd just turn this over for me. It's going to be a lot easier on you. Sometimes we're stubborn. Sometimes we're prideful. And we keep that. Like, I'm going to do this myself. Okay. Let me know how that works out for you. I've tried plenty of that. Not good. Let's just save that from you. He's a man that wants to do the right thing. Anybody? I want to do the right thing. But even like Paul. This is... This is several hundred years before Paul writes the same thing. I really want to do what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. And things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Wow, you didn't think that existed anywhere else in the Bible. David writes the same thing. He wants to do the right thing, but he gets caught up and he does just whatever he wants. Does this sound familiar? Some of you are already scribbling on your prayer pad. Me. <laughs> You're writing myself, my prayer life, my, my, my things. But look at this. In Psalms 86, we see one of the most beautifully written, most honest, most transparent prayers ever written. But before we get into that prayer, look at the first blank. I want you to see what prayer is. Look at this. Prayer is how we communicate with God. It's a privilege. Some of you are astounded that I spelled that correctly. I googled it. There's like 18 different spellings of this word, and they all mean a different thing. I was like, wow, okay. Anyway, so it's a privilege. I te- I've taught driver's ed before, and I teach these kids, well, I can do whatever I want. Listen, driving is a privilege. It can be taken away from you. Now, unlike that privilege, it's a privilege that can't be taken away from you if you're a follower of Him. But listen, it's when you understand how bad... You and I are individually, and how good God is, it should never even come close that we should have a, tel- a telephone line between the two. It, it shouldn't ever happen. But God says, listen, I want to talk with you. Let's just, let's just look at this equation. I, in my completely awful, horrible, worm-like self, by the way, that worm, wretch in, in Amazing Grace, used to be worm, and they took it out, such a worm as I. That's awesome. I think the writer of Amazing Grace had it dead on the money. I am a worm. 
You know what a worm does? They're so high up on the food chain that they eat dirt. That's sarcasm. Okay? They eat dirt. <laughs> they eat dirt. <laughs> you and I like to eat steak. They eat dirt. But the song says, I am like a metaphorical spiritual worm. And they change it and say, oh, that's kind of that's bad. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Really? Ready? We are so much worse than a worm. And it's a privilege because the God that spoke this universe into existence literally looks down and He says, I want a relationship with you. And whenever you have that relationship, He says, not only do I want to just have a relationship, I want to talk with you. I have plenty of times where I wanted to call this girl and you know, when I'd be dating and you know, I'd be talking like this. and she was, she was like way out of my league and I'd call and go, hey, what's up? And hang up the phone and be very awkward. <coughs> Talking with God is completely different. He, he expects that phone call. See, that's the thing. He expects a phone call. You may have called people when you're dating. They were not expecting your phone call. They may have not known you were in existence. Been there. They may not have known you were in existence. But God is sitting there and He's waiting. I just want you to talk with me. I will answer you. Oh, wow. Promise. It's a promise. So we should treat it as such. Look at Psalms 86. Now David knew this. David knew, number one, that it was an honor to talk to God. So you can just look at this for... If you have a pen, there's a lot of things to write down in Psalms 86. There's a lot. There's 17 verses and there is a lot of stuff to jot down. Through this conversation with God and through prayer, people like you and I, think about, listen, I don't know what's in your closet, you do. Now just think about this. All this stuff in the closet, even if you've asked for forgiveness for it, you've still done it. God still wants to talk to you. Now you tell me how that's fair. It's not fair. See, if you're, if you're coaching baseball and there's a guy that can, literally cannot field a ground ball at second base, second base is probably not the best position for him to play. And yet God looks out of that field, in the spiritual field, and He watches us try to take ground balls, doesn't He? And we try to take ground balls. There are some days we don't even know the game is going on. There's ground balls flying by us, and He goes, well, I just really wish you'd help. Really wish you'd... Why don't you just ask me for help? He just sitting over like the coach. Well, you just ask me? The game of life is just going. He goes, could you just ask me? I'd love to help you. You know, I can tell you that you're bending at your back and you're not getting here. Oh. He can't teach me something. If you understand the, the, the depth of you being able to have a conversation with God, I want to ask you a question. Does it change the way that you pray? Do you, is that something that you think about? Does it make you want to pray more? Certainly, I, I, would, I, would, I would think understanding this and, and our, just our total, our total depravity other than having God is, is that we need Him. It, it should cause us to go into worship. It should cause our prayer life to be in worship. Yesterday I was driving on the interstate and there were some people that probably passed me and thought I was being really weird. But I was listening to Ever Be on the radio. You praise me, Ever Be on my... It's going to stick in your head, okay? And I thought, man, everything I do, everything I do, everything I do, everything I do, everything, it has to be on my lips. So I thought, I, really, I wasn't being a distraction, but what better way... For people to see me singing to the top of my lungs as they went by me on the interstate yesterday. 
So for about 35 and 40 miles, I sang that song probably six or seven, six or seven times and sang as loud as I could with the windows down. No one stopped. No one waved. I was getting into it. I thought about how God is so good to me and it caused me to worship Him because I'm not good. You're, you're in a conversation where you shouldn't be in a conversation. It's a privilege. It's an honor. David knows this. The fact that even God wants to hear from you. I, I, I listened to a preacher say this this week on, on, a, on a sermon that he preached. He says, the fact that God even wants to listen to you is a blessing. Think of, where would you be without him? This is not good, right? Where would you be without him? The fact that God wants to even hear from you is a blessing. Look at verse 1 in Psalms 86. And again, if you have your pen, we're going to go over some, some things. We're going to go straight through this. I just want to dissect it. I want to get it down. Look at this. This is how David prays. Look at the confidence in which he prays. Look at verse 1. He says, Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. That's kind of bossy. Isn't it? Look at that. Would you let your kid talk to you that way? Don't answer that out loud. Don't elbow your mate. I don't care. Okay, It's just your business. But it says, Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me for I need your help. This is not a prayer of a spoiled kid asking for something. What this is, is David understanding how big God is. Now watch this. I'm going to ask you a question. See if you can put yourself in where David is. He says, bend down, O Lord. Why does he need to bend down? Okay, he's in heaven. Watch this. What if he spiritually is low? Bend down, O Lord. Where is he at? He's in trouble. Have you been there? This is what it looks like in 2016. Have you been to the bottom of the barrel? Have you been thrown to the bottom of the well? Do you understand dark places in this world? This is where David is talking from. A guy after God's own heart. That's why this prayer is so awesome. He says, bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. He has the absolute, utter, complete confidence that God hears him when he prays. That's awesome. This should drive us to worship a God. Not only did He create us and bless us, He says, I want to hear from you. And whenever you open your mouth or you think in your head and you pray to me, I will hear every single word you say. When we get upset is this. We get, God, I want you to answer this prayer this way. And God says, your ways are not my ways. And then we turn into the spoiled kid. Hey, God, listen. You, we pray like that. You're like, some, some of us in our, in our life have seriously said, God, I want you to sick them. In Jesus' name, amen. This is not a name it, claim it thing. You don't, you don't say that. You're like, God, get them. I guarantee you this. You don't want that to happen because if it's reversed, you will not be okay with it. God, hear my prayer. He is begging. You ever been there? You've been so low in life, you say, God, I cannot do anything else without you. you. My breath comes from... Did you realize that? Think about that. Every breath that we breathe comes from God. We sing, we sing a song with our girls. Every move I make comes, you know, is for you. Every move I make is from God. Every breath I take. Look at verse 2. Now, he's going like to sound like a spoiled kid here. Look at the confidence that he has. Protect me. Protect me what? Some of us have been pulled over and go, please Jesus, protect me from a ticket. Amen. <laughs> Jesus comes, answers down. Were you speeding? 
So, <laughs> protect me from the ticket. This is not what David's talking about. Sin has consequences. We know that, okay? So does David. He lost a son, by the way. Before he had Solomon, they lost a son. Because of something that he did. It was a consequence for a sin. This is hard. This is the same guy. The same dude. And he writes this prayer. And then he says, protect me. Not being spoiled, but God, you can protect me. Some of us have prayed protection over our children. Protection over a trip. I saw that happen this week. Somebody prayed protection over their trip before they left the driveway. And they said, Matt, we just randomly pulled over to stop at a Walmart to see if they had any of those fake Yeti, cheaper, way cheaper cups. And we saw the engine, we smelled something. And it had a radiator hose bust. And she said, we were so far away from home, we didn't want to take it to a local garage and have them maybe possibly take advantage of us and we couldn't do it ourselves. And so we Googled and there was a Chrysler Dodge dealership two miles down the road. It was the nearest one within 50 miles, by the way. And they got them right in and they were on their way. And I said, God's protection is pretty wild. She goes, God's protection amazes me all the time. It wasn't just a protection from a wreck. God protected them. He provided. Why? Because they asked Him to. Oh, He hears us when we pray. Yeah. Yeah, He does. Yeah, He does. I'm devoted to you. You know why, you know why I think David says, protect me? Because God said, I'll take care of you until you have my mission for you accomplished on this planet. I'll take care of you. Look, look at how he took care. See, David would remember back, and he would and he would remember these stories about um, Elijah. God protected him from the people. Okay, he protected him from the people, and he sent food via birds. God's pretty good at this game, right? He's pretty good at protecting people. He even protects Jesus in the New Testament. And then he goes on in verse 2, he says, Save me, for I serve you and trust you. This is, this is David understanding that he has a sin problem, but understanding that he is, he, is, he is claiming something that God has promised to him. He says, I serve you. Save me from where I am. I serve you and I... We have a big problem with this word. Circle this in your Bible if you're a note writer. Trust you. Trust in 2016 doesn't exist much. Do you trust me? Well, it depends on if you ask me in Connection or Kroger. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust your banker? I'm not causing, I'm not causing questions. Okay? You should trust your banker, okay? But I serve you and I trust you. And he goes on and says, you are my God. Save me, David says. This is what I think he's saying. He says, he says God, I know that you've saved me, but sometimes you've even saved me from myself. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God does that? You saved me from myself, my own stuff. And he says, you are my God. This is awesome. You just read right through this. He goes, you're my God. Okay, yep, you're God. Okay, awesome. It's not what he's saying. He's saying this. He's admitting, admonishing through Scripture that God has the complete and total authority, not over the world, but over him. This is hard. You don't like what we don't like. I'll just join this conversation. We don't like just this. Some people say, well, God's just a dictator. You don't have any choices in life? Well, see, God's not a dictator. God has a set of rules that He wants us to follow. 
A dictator is negative. God can't be negative. Because he's good. So, so we look at this, and he's, he's a good dad. He wants to move us. And that comes, those instructions sometimes, sometimes literally, sometimes they literally come right in front of our face. And that is when it works great, doesn't it? Dear God, please put a billboard on Route 57 so that I will see it. What you want me to do. I've never seen one. Never ever. But I've seen things that make me think about God. I took a picture of a sunrise yesterday. After church, if you want to see a really cool picture of a sunrise, you come see me. It's unbelievable. Some of you still don't know that the sun actually comes up in the morning. It does. It's early. Okay? But he's saying, you are my God. I follow you. Look at verse 3. Uh-oh. This is where he gets into the part that we like. Oh, please be merciful. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Get me out of this one. Not what he's meaning. Please let that cop's lights not be about me. Please let him go around me. He's not talking about that. He says, be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm calling on you constantly. Fast forward to Paul's, says the same thing in your bulletin. Er, bulletin, wow, that's an old word. So look at this. You haven't used that in a long time. We go over here. In the middle of your worship handout, it says, pray without ceasing. David, hundreds of years, said pray constantly. And we give, we give Paul all the credit. Paul is awesome. Yeah, pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians, know that one. David said it a long time before that. You know why? Because David had a, had a conversation with God all the time because he knew that that's what God expected him to do. Well, was he successful? Was he successful? This is David. Probably 14 years old and he kills a giant. There's theological people. If you, if you, if you like, if you like random, randomness of, of biblical stories, David goes to the brook and he picks up five stones that are in today's world ballistically equivalent with his sling as a 45 caliber handgun. It's powerful. You know why they make 46? Or you know why, they, you, know, you, know why you shoot a 45? Because they don't make 46. Okay? So... It's, it's powerful. And David, David goes to the brook and he gets five stones. And somebody, somebody asked a question in a theology class I was in. I said, why did David get five if he knew that God could do it with one? And the theology professor took about four seconds and he wrote back, Goliath is thought to have had four giant brothers, period. He was going to take them all out. He knew the power of God. This kid, this kid, this kid grew up to be a king who fathered Solomon. The most wisest person to in the end of his life, he kind of went downhill a little bit, but the wisest person. I have to check on this. I saw it on the internet and I saw it on Facebook, and I know it's 100% true because it's on Facebook, but I had to check it out for myself. That they, that they found a King Solomon era temple again, confirming the Old Testament scripture. This is all, not a not a Solomon Sol, King Solomon's temple. It is an, a a a temple that would, is believed to be that age, and that's a big deal because hello, it's in there. So so David he says, "Be merciful for calling you constantly." First Thessalonians says the same thing. It's a constant conversation. If you, walk down, if you walk down the hall at your work, now this, this will mess with people, okay? Don't do this. I don't think God is talking about this. You have some people walking down the hallway, if they know how to use the hallway. I've been in places where people didn't know how to the hallway. You actually walk on the right-hand side of the hallway. That's so traffic and flow. <laughs> now, people might think that you're weird. 
If you, you know these people coming down, you go, oh, Frank, Jesus, name, I pray for you. Just out loud, okay. Some people will be completely okay with that. Some people are going, he's lost every single marble that he ever had. But it doesn't mean that you can't walk by people or by situations and you can pray for them by yourself. You know why? God never says, you need to just shout out to me. That's why worship can be so different. I asked a lady one time when I used to, when I used to lead worship all the time, I said, I said, do you enjoy worship? I didn't think she liked the music. She said, I love the music. And I said, well, you don't, you don't really want to clap your hands or raise your hands. and you, you just, I just want to plug you into a battery. And she goes, oh, Matt. She said, I'm worshiping. She said, I'm worshiping in prayer. I'm praying for the people that are around me. I stopped talking. Worship was, my eyes were opened. But this prayer is worship. Look at verse 4. It says, give me happiness, O Lord. Don't read it as a spoiled kid. He's not saying, give me, give me, give me. Have you ever seen Caddyshack? I said, maybe you're like, Caddyshack in a sermon? Yeah. The grandson of the judge. You know what he does when he goes up to the concession stand? Nobody's watched Caddyshack. It's Labor Day. It's probably on TV. He goes up and he goes, I want a hamburger. No, I want a cheeseburger. I want a milkshake. I want blah, blah, blah. And the judge, Judge Smales goes, you'll get nothing in like it. He has enough, right? See, he's not asking like a spoiled kid here. He is stating the goodness of God and his blessings in his life. He says, give me happiness. Oh, Lord, for I give myself to you. Hello. Try praying that one. This prayer is loaded. He says, I give myself to you. He is saying, I want to have the joy by doing what you want me to do. That joy comes from nowhere else. It's joy unspeakable. That should be a song. It is. <laughs> it's joy unspeakable. You can't describe the joy that God can give you. Again, it's, he says happiness translated, it's joy. Jesus never says, God never says, Oh, you're going to be happy today. No. No, he doesn't. Actually, he talked to his disciples. He says, he goes, you're going to have joy. Then you're going to die. Amen. <laughs> That's a rough translation, but it's what it is. He goes, you're going to serve me for the rest of your life and you're going to get killed for it. Where does the happiness come in? He said, I didn't talk about happiness. I'm talking about joy unspeakable, eternal. It's so awesome. It's one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. I know so you say it. Look at verse 5. Oh, Lord. You are so good and so ready to forget. Oh, this is, this, is, this is where we come in. Oh, yes, good. Good. Praying for the stuff that we messed up on. This is what we need. Some of you start our prayers. We start our prayers. We say, God, well, you saw what happened today. Have <laughs> you ever prayed that? God, I, you know. <laughs> I've literally prayed this. God, do I need to go into this? Because I, I know that you know everything. See, he says, oh Lord, you're so good, you're so ready to forgive. You know why he's ready for, to forgive? He's already paid for everything that you could do. That does not give you a license to go out and do whatever you want sinfully. That does not give you a get out of jail free card. What that does is, it says that Jesus Christ, blood on the cross, has completely paid for our sins. That's why we can come to God and ask forgiveness for it. In this day, when David writes this, it would have been the sacrifice of animals that covered. That blood would cover the sin. He says, you're so ready to forgive. Why? Because David has experienced forgiveness in his life and it's a lot easier to tell somebody about something that you've experienced if you've experienced it. He says, look, I know you, you've forgiven me before. So look, 
He says, so you're full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. You know why I think we can relate to David so well? It's verse 5. He's been here before. You know, you, you may have that day and you say, God, I don't even know where to start. First of all, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> you know what God says? No, you're not. No, you're not. He doesn't make junk, so you can't say that. But we start that. We, we have that self just implodedness on ourselves. We say, God, I'm just awful. He goes, no, you're not. I don't make junk. Never have, never will. And he says, I just want you to talk to me. Tell me how your day was. God, you know that I completely bombed the test for today. Maybe you've been there. You know that I didn't treat that person like I should have. You know I shouldn't have, never, I shouldn't have ever said this. I should have gotten angry. David's been here before. Look at verse 6. This got me all kinds of just woe this week. Look how, look. David is praying specifically, like intently, intentionally. Look at 6. He says, listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. He's not doubting God's capability to hear. It's not like you're speaking to your grandpa and you say, what? Okay. I used to talk to my grandpa and I would say, grandpa, something, something, something. And he'd go, what? My grandma would start screaming from the, from the kitchen and she'd say, Gene, turn on your hearing aids. He goes, I can't hear you. I'm saving the batteries. I don't have my hearing aids in. It was, it was difficult. I wrote things down. <laughs> sure. See, when we say listen closely, we think that, like, hey, listen up. You know, you're talking to a team. Listen up. So they'll listen. David is saying, I know that you hear me. Look at, look at what he says here. Hear my urgent cry. He's in hot water, isn't he? Or he has been. He, and he prays. He says, listen, I am in deep trouble. This is not, I'm in deep trouble because I broke the law speeding and I got pulled over. This is, God, I am not doing what you have called me to do. And I'm not serving you intently like you want me to. I need you to intervene and change me. This is hard. This is hard. You, we're all going through stuff in our life. I had a gentleman come to me last week. And he said, he said I, need, I, just need, I just need your prayers. I prayed for that guy every day this week. Oh, look at Matt. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying somebody asked me, so I did. Do you know this? If you say that you're going to pray for somebody and you don't, that's a sin. Do you know that? It's an urgent cry for our people. People call me. People call me and they say, will you pray for this? And sometimes I get to pray with them on the phone and they say, I'm in a hurry, I can't do it. And I'll say, I'm going to pray right now. Right now. Even if I'm somewhere, I get a text message, I'm doing something else, and I get a text message, I will stop. Maybe if I'm walking, I'll just keep walking. You know, God can hear mobile conversations. Has way better signal than Verizon or AT&T. Way better. And he says, hear my cry. We've been given some instructions on these first six verses. He's very intentional, this David fella. He seeks God. He knows about forgiveness and mercy. Look at your next worship handout. Look at this. Look at this blank. If this does not get you excited, if this does not turn something inside of you, it's only one, two, three, four, five, line, five words long. If this does not excite you, if God does not ignite a fire inside you because you understand what this means, I think your wood is wet. If you can't understand what this means for us, 
Think about your closet. (laughs) Think about how good you are. And then we read that God forgives us. Holy smoke. The authority to go in front of God and say, God, I know that you love me. But I have done so much wrong today. I just want to sit here and listen to you. When's the last time that you asked God that? I'm just going to sit here and listen. I'm just going to listen to some music. I'm just going to turn some music on and I'm not going to say a word. Yes, God can speak to you while music plays. There's a thing called worship that we do sometimes. God forgives. He also listens. Look at verse 7. I will call you whenever I'm in trouble and you will answer me. Look at the confidence. I will call you. You know why David will call God? He has his number. (laughs) Really fast. No signal needed. David didn't even need a phone. I will call you whenever I'm in trouble and you will answer me. We, when we see no relief, we trust that God will sustain us. Now this is hard. It's like taking the step of a staircase that you don't know is there. You ever had to practice that kind of faith in your life? God, I'm not really sure that you're calling me here, but I'm pretty sure that there's nothing else. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to call you. <laughs> I'm going to call you whenever I'm in trouble. Sometimes we have no words to say. Uh, Think about this. If you listen to Christian radio, sometimes we have no words to say. Just say, Jesus. Guess what? He listens. He's he's begging you to to ask. Look at verse 8. No pagan God is like you, O Lord. This would have been huge in David's day. He is just affirming to God that you are who you say you are. None of us or none can do what you do. If you want some fire today, our God is alive and He is able to do all things. Our Lord is worthy of our praise. I, I wrote this and I just almost started jumping up and down. Our Lord is worthy of our praise. Our Lord is God alone. He is the one true God. And look at how David praises Him in verses 9 and 10. I was pumped to read this. All the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. Ever heard that? Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Ever heard that before? Look at this. They will praise your holy name because Jesus and God, the the names of the Godhead are not names. They're authority-driven entities. They're it. There is no, there's nothing above that. He says, everybody will praise your name. Look at verse 10. For you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. You ever, you ever done math on a piece of paper in your finances and God doesn't know how you do math and He just stretches your money and you go, whoa, that didn't make sense. You ever seen that? Ever seen that Mary and I, went early, earlier in our marriage, we were, we were doing exactly what we were trying to do. We just didn't have a lot of money. Say, so God, I'm going to give you what is yours. And if I have to go mow a yard for extra money, or I'm going to... In our cul-de-sac in Robinson, when we were first married and moved to Illinois, for extra grocery money, I shoveled snow off people's driveways. Wow. That's like a job that people dream of, right? I did it because God says you're responsible for your families. Why I did it. But He says, He says, you alone are God. God never, never... I told Mary when we first got married, I said, we're going to write a tie check first. First, and if God doesn't give us everything that we need, we'll never do it again. We've been married for 13 and a half years. He's never let us down. But I have physically seen, Mary says, you know what? It's going to be really tight this week. And something somehow happens and God just, I'm not saying he does it all the time, but I'm saying he has done it. Somebody, I got glad handed one night. You know what that is? 
I'll teach you so you can do it. I'm just kidding. Glad handed. I had a guy. I, I, was at a, I was at a church visiting my dad. And this guy comes up to me. Shakes my hand. He had a $20 bill right here in his hand. And he shook my hand. And I go, what's this? And he goes, God just told me to give you that. I about lost it. I said, what? I said, dude, you don't even have a clue. I said, I was going to get home with about a quarter tank with three days of work left. I said, this is all the money. This is exactly what I need. needed. Needed. He didn't have to give me a hundred because that's not what I needed. Awesome. In verse 10, you are, you are great and perform wonderful deeds. Look at the worship handout. We need to ask God. This is difficult for us. I'm sorry, I skipped some verses, didn't I? No, I didn't. No, I'm sorry. I didn't. It says, we need to ask God to teach us. Some of us are not good students. And I'm not saying your grades. This is very difficult to look at spiritually. We need to ask God to teach us. Why? Because we do not have all the answers. You do not have a teacher's book at your house with all the answers in it. This is hard. David says, I need you to teach me. And give us the things that He desires us to have. Oftentimes, this does not include Lamborghini, Ferrari, or huge, giant jet boat. <laughs> I know some of you are thinking in your head, how can I make a jet boat ministry? I'm sure they're out there. Okay? But God says, I want you to, I want you to learn from me. Look at verse 11. David just starts going crazy. Teach me your ways, O Lord. God's, not His. Look at verse 11. Or I'm sorry, the second part. That I may live accordingly to your truth. God's truth, not His. Stop believing what you say and ask God what He says. Oftentimes, if you look in here for the answer, it will contradict what yourself says. <laughs> because your ways are not God's ways. I want to punch that, I want to, I want to punch that person. This doesn't say that. I want to get back at that person. I want to say something behind their back because I can't stand them. But she says, no, because you even thought that, you should go ask for forgiveness. This is not, this is not a preschool life that you go through. This is advanced education and spirituality. Jesus taught these things. David understood these things about prayer that operated on a high, high level. Teach me about you, not me. Look at this. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. These, you go back and read this. this these are heavy prayer requests. 12. With all my heart I will praise you, O Lord my God. He's saying I give you everything that I have. Everything. It keeps going. He says I will give glory to your name forever. You and I both know by reading scripture that he didn't always do that. This is a prayer of remorse. He says, God... I'm going to proclaim your name for the rest of my life. He doesn't say he's never going to mess up. Look at verse 14, 13. For your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. Whoa. Maybe you understand that with me. Maybe you need to underline that verse. You've saved me from the depths of death. God, you brought me out of my pit. Look at 14. Oh God, insolent people rise up against me. A violent gang is trying to kill me. You mean nothing to them. This world is not going to like you. I had somebody talk to me the other day. They want to talk about in the end times. And this is what I told them. The world will not like you if you stand up for Jesus Christ. Period. But greater is He that's in you than He who's in the world. <laughs> I've read the end of this book. You know what? We win. 
then there's not a question. There's not a question when you're talking about communicating with, the, with one of the entities of the Godhead that's going to come back. And if you read Revelation, he's literally going to... Now, this is wild. God spoke the earth into creation. And when he does away with evil, just go back and read that. He's going to open his mouth. That's power. He's not coming back on a donkey. <laughs> read it. It's not a donkey. He's coming back with absolute power. In verse 15... But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry. Praise the Lord. He is slow to get angry with me. Maybe you too. You're slow to get angry. You're patient. See, God wants to teach us patience because if we realize the patience that it takes to keep up with us, we would have a lot, wouldn't we? I need patience. And filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. These are attributes that he wants to attain. Look at 16. Look down and have mercy on me. Look who he, what he calls himself. Give your strength to your servant. Save me, the son of your servant. Send me a sign of favor. This is not on Rule Route 4 of Jerusalem billboard. It's not happening. It's not a, here's your sign. He's not Jeff Foxworthy. There it is. It's not somebody walking up to you with a note. God told me to get this. And you open up and says, here's your sign. It doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. But he says, look. David says, send me a sign of your favor. Then those who hate me will, put you to, will be put to shame for you, O Lord. Heal and comfort me. We want to see a billboard, but God often sends these signs in the way that we can look at our family and realize that we're blessed. He's never left us. Yesterday, I was looking at the most unbelievable sunrise I've ever seen in my entire life. And I thought, you just did that because you can. I literally I was having a conversation with God. I go, you just did that because you can. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but if, he, if I could have, he would have said, yeah, I did. <laughs> he just says, I love you this much. Please. He's begging us to communicate through prayer. The support of your family and friends is a sign. Your church is a sign. It's a brand new day. It's a sign. You can be confident that no matter what the situation is, how dark your life is, wherever you are, God listens to you when you pray. It's power. It's the most powerful thing that you and I can physically, spiritually do. And I love that song. It says, says uh, uh, we're, we're, our, we're our strongest instead of standing up, but when our knees hit the ground. A humility to God. God, I give this to you. You have something coming up in your life? God says, I want it. Give it to me. I don't want you worrying about that. He wrote verses about that too. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. I just want to converse with you. I just want to talk with you. So this week, I want to challenge you. In here, we're almost done. I'm getting ready to pray. And right here, these things I can pray about, Fill it up. If you need, just mark all over the whole thing. And I want you to find somewhere this week. And I want you to get down on your knees or sit in a chair or whatever's comfortable for you if you can. And I just want you to go over these things. And I just want you to say, God, I just ask that you move in this way for this person. You can put a, you can put a pretty general one. There's a whole lot of people in a group this size that have a whole lot of hurt in their life. The awesome thing is, when we pray and we don't have the words, the Holy Spirit and Jesus intercede for us and they actually pray what we're meaning without us having to do it. It's crazy. It's awesome. You can't do it wrong. 
I've never prayed before. If you've never prayed before or you don't pray often, listen to how I pray when I close this. God says, I don't want you to just come up here and just spout off words because you know big words to the Pharisee people. That's what Jesus said. He said, I just want you to say, what's on your heart? Listen to the way that I pray to dismiss us. It would be nothing showy. It's very easy. Just talk to Him. Next week, you do not want to miss. Do not miss next week if you can at all keep from it. We are going to be doing something in here that is powerful. We're going to be talking about prayer that is just awesome. We talk about that there's different categories of prayer, what it means. And I know this is going to shock you, but we may even pray. Listen, I want to pray for you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know that in the group this side, there has to be hurt. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for today. We ask that you hold us accountable to pray specifically and intently to you this week. There's a lot of hurt in this room and the people that go to connection. And God, I ask that you minister to those people. That you let them know that you're there. God, we pray with confidence because you're God. We pray with boldness because you created this world with your mouth. You spoke things into being. And the fact that you want a conversation with us is absolutely amazing. So God, help us to make that conversation more available. We love you, God. Dismiss us now as we go into our community and spread the gospel with other people that may not know. In your name we pray. Amen.